Good morning, church. Thank you for coming out on this frigid day. You know, if we lived in Texas, we'd all be in home with blankets on us, but you're pretty tough Minnesotans. And uh, some people, they come alive when the weather is adverse. You know, they want to prove that they can make it. And so, thank you. It's a bitter cold day, but uh, you're here this morning, and I pray God's blessing on your life. I'm going to take a moment and pray, and just a few things that I'm going to share as we continue on in our series. Ask for God's blessing. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you for your people, your church. Lord, and in this moment, my prayer is that a spirit of prayer and understanding would come upon each and every person here listening today. Like never before. For those of us that do pray, Lord, let us increase. For those that don't understand prayer, I pray, I pray that there would be an understanding today to see the importance that their prayers matter. And Lord, I pray that you would give me utterance to declare your word, your heart today. It's in Jesus' name I pray. And all God's people said, <clears throat> amen, amen, excuse me. Well, I want to just continue in our series uh, about word about everything, praying about nothing. And I mentioned over the last few weeks that I want to talk to you about the substance of prayer. And this will probably be a two-part, the substance of prayer. And our text has been in Philippians, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. And I have the full text here. It says, don't worry about anything. Man, right there, you could just preach a message on that, because we worry about everything, don't we? You know, you hear bad news, it's just constantly, there's this battle, like from darkness and, and light, and, and it just seems like at times the, the darkness overshadows the light, but how many know that's not true? <laughs> it's a lie, that one little light, one little match, if all the lights were out in here, you could still see that, and so... Uh, darkness will not overcome. But it says, don't worry about anything. Easier said than done. But instead, pray about everything. So I believe that's the answer there to worry. I'm going to say that again. Those that struggle in constant worry, there's a solution. And the answer is, don't worry. But it doesn't say don't do one thing, but it gives you a reason to do something else, and that is to pray. And so we see this correlation between this worrying and praying, uh, bringing an answer in our souls and calming our souls, which prayer does, and Lord willing, next week we'll talk about that. But it says, tell God what you need and thank Him for all that He has done. And that was this morning in exhortation and thankfulness. Then you will experience God's peace. Some shall peace. peace. I don't know about you, but I need His peace more than ever. Amen. Do you need His peace more than ever? I need His peace more than ever. And so it's talking about that in prayer we can experience peace. So why do we still not have that spiritual discipline? And it goes on to say, which exceeds anything we can understand. <clears throat> and then it says, his peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Amen? Now, last week we kind of ended with some questions. Do my prayers or your prayers really matter all that much? I mean, isn't God going to do what he wants to do because, well, he's sovereign? You know that Doris Day song, K Sarasara, whatever it's going to be, is going to be. And, 
And so we just got to kind of chalk that up that, you know, everything that's happening in the world today is somehow mysteriously the will of God. Friends, all of the murder, the rape, the abuse is not the will of God. Get that through, I mean, because, you know, for the believer, we trust that the steps of a righteous man or woman are ordered by him. Okay? But all this other hell that's going on, that is not, God is not orchestrating and killing kids. And it, he, that is not, heaven is not like that. So I don't know why, I just need to say it and declare it strongly that that is not the will of God. And so God said, Jesus said to what? That we are to pray that his kingdom come from heaven on earth. And see, and see, so I think local churches should be the places where the kingdom of heaven has come on earth. Right? Then he say that a city set on a hill. That's with the bright light. We don't hide it. And a, a place that people can come and see the heart and a little bit of heaven on earth. Can you say amen? And so I, I left with a, a statement about this. Does God need me to pray? Or does God just want me to pray? I want you to just absorb that. And there's a world of difference between needing and wanting. We spent a little time last week on that. And so there's no better time to start writing your future story than right now. And I believe prayer is the key to seeing that story come to pass in your life. 100%. Prayer is the key to see you fulfilling the call of God on your life. Whatever that may be is a faithful mom. How many of you know we need faithful moms to raise kids? Can I get an amen? That is amen. And people think like, what is your profession? You're a professional mom. And that's high on the list, in my opinion. When I meet a, a mom that's willing to, that's able to stay home and raise her kids, that's high on my list. Like, wow, what a calling. Man, in this day and age. Because they could have just said, you know what, I'm going to go do this or this. And, and we got families that are all fragmented. And, oh, here we are today. That is high on the list. Some of them just uh, to stay at home, if they're able to do that and, and raise their kids and love on them. Uh, you know, during... We celebrate when Palm Sunday, uh, like the week before Easter. Well, there's a story in Matthew where Jesus, he comes into Jerusalem about a week before. We know the story of the colt and the donkey, and they had palm branches, and they were laying it down, and they were saying, Hosanna, King, you know, save us, save us, Hosanna, King. And then what is the first thing Jesus does? He doesn't have a fat head. He's just like, yeah, that's right, I'm the man. He goes into the temple, and what does he do? He overturns the tables, the money changers, and they're all like, who is this guy? But he says something that's interesting. He says, my house shall be called the house of prayer. I was just reading that again this morning. Wait a minute, not a house of prayer, but the house of prayer. My heart as Church for the Harvest would be known as the house of prayer. Not just the name on the outside of a building, but where people really understand and grasp prayer in its importance. Can I get an Amen. And so, but let me just kind of backtrack a little bit here, because some people I need, I, I just think it's important to touch on it. And there's a, uh, I pray for uh, wisdom here in this, in, in, in sharing with you, but about being persistent in prayer, is it really, is it biblical to persevere? Uh, another question would be, is it acceptable to repeatedly pray for the same thing, or should you only ask one time? Think about that. <clears throat> and so persistent prayer is something on which Christians do not always agree, but I believe the Bible, he gives, the scripture gives us some guidance in that, some guidance. 
uh, there's a scripture in Luke chapter 15. It records the parable of the friend at midnight. He needs three loaves of bread. Now I wish it was three dozens of eggs. Come on. <laughs> I need some eggs, not bread. They're really expensive. But it says he knocks repeatedly on his friend's door. And he says this. He receives what he requests more so because of his persistence. Somebody shall persistence. Then be more than his friendship. So in other words, at that point, at 2 a.m., you don't have any friends banging on your door. Amen? Who is this guy banging on the door? And it says because he is persistent. And it says this in verse 8. Because of his importunity, he would rise and give him as many as he needed. And that word importune actually means in the Greek, it means shameless audacity. The NIV says that. So he's banging on the door. He needs something. Whether he's his friend or not, doesn't matter. And God, Christ is painting a picture for us here about being persistent in prayer. But I'll get into the why in a moment. But just, just hear me on this. Persistent, it actually means boldness. It actually means you keep knocking long enough. There's no shame in your knocking. No shame. You know, it's just like, you know what? And here, you know, with Minnesota, nice. We don't... Hey, we apologize for everything, you know. But in this context, it's, there's no shame. It's banging on that door. I need something. Amen. I want you to get that. And it's literally, actually, in the Greek, it means shamelessness. And it relates to carrying out God's plan with unembarrassed boldness. Amen. Unembarrassed boldness in the dignity of faith. Somebody say amen. Amen. And so there's this boldness that we need. A, we need this answer, and we need it from heaven. So Jesus goes on to say that if we ask, we seek, and we knock, we will receive. And he further elaborates that humans who are sinful give good gifts to their children. And Jesus states that our Heavenly Father will give us even greater gifts. And so what is this? I believe this is a, another picture of persistence and expectant prayer. We trust that God is good. So we ask for his gifts, right? Luke 18, 1 through 7, shares a similar parable. And this time is the story about a widow and the unjust judge. And I shared a little bit about that last week. But I want to interject here just to kind of give a, a, a healthy balance that you don't think, oh, Pastor Mike, his head's in the clouds because I prayed about a lot of stuff at times and, and I didn't get no answer. I, I didn't get no answer on that. I'm there. I'm there. Paul remarks in 2 Corinthians 12, 2 Corinthians 12, 8 through 9, that he pled with the Lord for something three times that would be taken away, if you remember the context. And he says, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But interesting, you find out that Paul ceased praying, not because he gave up or thought it inappropriate to ask God more than three times, because he had received an answer, and the answer was no. Now, I just want you to think about that. <laughs> How many know that God is not, you know, his name, you know, Jimmy, gimme, gimme, gimme. No. God is our Lord. He is our Savior. He is our King. But sometimes the answer is no. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't like no. <laughs> right? But I don't like no. But you know what? How many know that God knows what we need and what we don't need? And some of the heartaches in our life, watch out now, watch it, that come from our persistence in something that looking back, we wish we'd have done something different. We need the wisdom of God. You need the wisdom of God. Can I get an amen? 
Throw that back there. There we go. <clears throat> and so the answer was no. So some see repeatedly asking God for the same thing as a lack of faith or a sign that, you know, we really, we really don't trust the Lord, uh, and that God heard our prayers. And some assume that persistent prayer is maybe presumptuous or maybe people, you know, they're just rude. But others see not repeatedly asking for something as a lack of faith or a sign that we do not trust God in his goodness. And so not persisting in prayer means we have given up too easily. And I want to just, you know, there's a balance in that. But I'm going to lean a little bit more towards here in a moment about not giving up too easily because I really feel that is the issue in the body of Christ. We do Burger King drive through Taco Bell prayers. Come on now. So, uh, you know, by the time I do my, you know, order at Subway and drive through, I want the answer. God does not work on our schedule, friends. All right? And so I really believe there's a giving up because we don't see. But just let me temper it here. I believe both perspectives can be valid. Uh, the Bible encourages us to ask God for things, and it demonstrates persistent prayer. And we know in the Scripture that the Apostle Paul, as we said, he pled three times before receiving a solid answer, which, which was no, my grace is sufficient. In the Old Testament, when we see in the Psalms, David made consistent requests to God. In Matthew 26, 36 to 46, Jesus even prayed, watch this, three times regarding the cross. And guess what? There was no new information, and God said, there's no other way. So in other words, Jesus received a no. He, it's in the Bible. Three times he, he walked. He went off to pray. He knelt. He cried out. He came back. The disciples were asleep. He does it three times. If this cup can pass, let it pass. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. That's the right heart when it comes to prayer. And that's the right heart when it comes to marriage. Just going to meddle here a little bit, so that's okay. <clears throat> you know, and that spouse. When it comes to marrying somebody and finding a spouse, the posture is, not my will, but your will be done. That's the way it needs to be. You say, why ain't Pastor Mike? Because you know what? We see somebody. We like somebody. We say, oh, they're just great, you know. And no matter what, I don't want to ever lose them. We have to be married. Whoa, 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 whoa. You got to lay that down. Now, when I met my wife, uh, I tell the story of that. I was talking with two other guys. One was a South African police officer. And we were in theology training. And there was a kid from Minnesota. And, uh, and I, look, we were talking about, like, well, what kind of girl do you like? And they were rattling off or whatever. And I was like, I'll tell you what type of girl I like. I said, I'm pointing right over there. I said, that girl right there. <laughs> and she was just sitting with a red sweater by herself. I went, something about that. There's something about that girl. I don't know. Never even spoke with her. <laughs> Isn't that presumptuous? And, uh, <laughs> and, and, and so sure enough, I mean, it began to work out. I was just thinking, can this be? Could this be like a desire in my heart that I could marry someone that actually you like? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> um, just keep looking forward, everybody. Just keep looking forward. And, and, and so I, <laughs> the relationship ensued, but it got to a point where I was, had to say, you know what, Lord, I want this, but I don't want this more than your will. And I had to come, listen to me, church, I had to come to a place where it, it sounds strange and it sounds weird to the world, but I had to say, Lord, I lay that down. 
It, if that is not your will, this is a call on my life, I believe. How many know marrying the wrong person could have messed up my call? Oh, yeah. they were, well, you know, it was this. It was that. No, I didn't hear the Lord. And so I have a woman that is so graced and gifted in administration for the church. This church is so solid in so many ways because that was her gift. But I didn't know that back then. I just saw a tall, beautiful, blonde, six-foot, you know, woman. Amen? But, but, but God knew. God knew. And so I, needed to, I, I just needed to have that in my spirit to know I lay that down. I lay that down. If, that is, if this isn't it, if this isn't it, I don't want it. But if it is, and God resurrected it. Just wanted to throw that out there about for us. Sometimes the Lord will say no. And think about that. So... <clears throat> Uh, I can think, though, uh, I think of a situation when, uh, actually, we were, I went to Israel in 1988, and uh, it was the 40th year uh, anniversary of the country, and I was actually at the Western Wall. I was so serious about this that I, uh, they call it the Welling Wall, but the Western Wall where they separate the men and women, and I went in there, and had a, the, the cap on, and, and I wrote a little note. I actually have a picture today of it. Lord, your will be done. And I, I put it in the wall. And uh, I walked away. Well, you know what? God heard me when I was still in Dallas as much as he heard me at the wall. Come on, somebody. Because our God is omnipresent. But it was that special to me to know I, I need your will. I, I want your will in this. Can I get an amen here? And so, but, but, you know, so that, I think, is the thing of laying it down. Now, when it came to this building, for 20 years, I prayed. You'd say, well, boy, that sure, you sure are tenacious. Someone told me that one time. I said, boy, you sure are persistent. Yes, because here's the thing, and I, just, I wrote this down, this church building. I never got a no. I never just got a go. Let me explain. I, I never for 20 years said no about the building. And I thought, no, this is never going to happen. No, I thought that. But God never said no. He never said no. He just said, he never said uh, go at this time. But then he says go back in the spring of 2021. And then I look back and I see the wisdom and the beauty of, of 20 years. Interest rates were never that low. <laughs> the banker, we had the, the we had, uh, since we're chamber members here, we've been over 20 years, and so I was here with American flag t-shirt on, and someone said, well, the chamber members are coming into this building, uh, the ambassadors, and businessmen and women, and they're going to, uh, they just want to see your building. So I think it's one or two people coming in. So I wasn't like, you know, dressed up or anything, so I'm in a flag t-shirt, you know, whatever. 17 people come in with suit jackets on. <laughs> I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> and so they're all coming in, and they're looking at the building and asking questions. And, well, the banker, through you know, one of the banks that we got the loan through, we talked about how it was the right timing of the Lord, and God knew, and, we, and the rates we have. And so the banker chuckled because he said, you, you, your church, wow. He said, you had a window that was so slim and you made it in on that. I'm like, God knows what he's doing at the right time. At the right time. But sometimes he says no. Amen? amen. He'll say a no. And we need to be all right with that. How many with me say amen? <clears throat> and so, so there is persistence. So when we bring our request to God, we honor God. We reveal the desires of our hearts. And we admit that only he can meet them. 
But sometimes our repeated requests, you know, they relate to other people. And a lot of times in those instances, the hearts of those people need to be changed in order for the request to be granted. I don't want to get all of that. But on the other hand, sometimes repeatedly asking for the same thing demonstrates our unwillingness to accept God's response. And so we need to be open to that. And so once again, some people treat requests as sort of a magical formula that will force God's hand, uh, that he's not obliged to, you know, how many know he's just not obliged to just do whatever we want at any time? So what happens is sometimes people, rather than submit, watch this, to his will, we persist in things that is not the will of the Lord. Am I speaking to anybody this morning? And sometimes God said no. He says no about it. And sometimes we're like rebellious children and we refuse to accept it because we want it. We, we, we feel we want it. We believe. We found a scripture somewhere that says we could have it, but God is saying no in this instance. And how many know that God is good and he desires to give us good gifts? The scripture talks about that. Amen? But, but this, there's a scripture in Psalm 15, 4. It talks about, about he who swears to his own hurt. And there's different ways you can look at that. And one way is, is that a translation says he keeps his word or she keeps the word even to his own disadvantage and does not change from it. And I thought about that. You know, sometimes we can push and push. And, am I speaking to anybody? Push, wanting our own way in a situation. And the Lord has said no. And then other times he could just give it up and just said, you know what? You want that? Okay, here's the fruit of it. And it sometimes is not good. I mean, with me, say amen. <clears throat> and so, so in our persistence, we need to be willing to submit to God's will. But the problem I find, and I just want to spend a few more moments on this, is we give up too soon in prayer. I believe we give up too soon. And there are those who've told me, it's like, you know, when Isaiah says, God's ways are not our ways. That's true. And uh, we know that whatever we ask according to his will in 1 John 5, the Bible says it's granted. But there's a verse in Psalm 25, 14, uh, that is a very interesting verse. It says, it's the secret of the wise counsel of the Lord. How many of you want the wise counsel of the Lord? I need the wise counsel of the Lord. It's for what? It's for those who fear him. It's not being afraid of terror, but revere the Lord, have respect to the Lord, have honor to the Lord. And he will let them know, know his covenant and reveal to them. And reveal to them through his word. And reveal to them through his word its deep inner meaning. And so there are secrets, if I can say it this way, that God has for those who fear him that he will give answers. So you know what? There are still some things I have questions on that I don't have answers for. So I just trust the Lord in that. When I get to heaven, I will know and understand all. How many hear what I'm saying? There's some things that just don't make sense. You know, it's like this, I can't connect the dots on this. But some things through the years, I've chalked up and said, Lord, I'm going to trust you. And I've gotten an answer. And he's given me an understanding and revealed a secret about a situation. And so I want to just encourage you in the fear of the reverence of the Lord, there are answers. And so we know that sometimes our hearts don't understand his will or his timing. But uh, there are times we must be willing to wait for God's yes to manifest. Other times we must be willing to accept the no once again for an answer. So we do know uh, God and trust his character. 
And so let me just kind of, as I transition here, just say this, that God desires both us to be persistent in our submission. Is that, is that okay? Do you understand that? So there's, but I really want to focus now the next few moments on the persistent part, because I really feel a lot uh, of believers, they, they, they say a prayer or two, they get it, they just move on. It's just like, it's useless. There's no, there's no really answer. And so God, he's either deaf or he's on another galaxy somewhere. He's dealing with another issue and another, and he has forgotten about me and there isn't anything I can do about it. I find when it comes to prayer that too many believers, they give up too soon or they don't even try. Have this, I heard this poem when I was in Bible school and it's about two frogs in a can of cream. It says, two frogs fell into a can of cream and so it has been told. The sides of the can were shiny and steep. The cream was deep and cold. Oh, what's the youth said, number one? It's plain, no helps around. Goodbye, my friend, goodbye, sad world, and weeping still, he drowned. But number two of sterner stuff, dog paddled in surprise. All the while he licked his creamy lips and blinked his creamy eyes. I'll swim at least a while, he thought, or so it has been said. It really wouldn't help the world if one more frog were dead. An hour or more he kicked and swam, not once did he stop to mutter. Then he hopped out from an island he had made of fresh churned butter. Persistence. Persistence. I said persistence. Amen. Galatians uh, 5.22, when we were talking about tenacity, hang in there didn't make it into the Ten Commandments, but it did into the nine fruits of the Spirit. <laughs> and long-suffering, forbearance, fortitude, means patience, Galatians 5. <clears throat> it means strength of mind that enables one to meet danger or bear adversity with courage. It means grit, backbone, it means guts. Amen. In this day of instant everything, from fast foods to three easy steps to answered prayer, we are rapidly losing the character trait of hanging in there. Amen? And we cook faster. We travel faster. We want faster internet. <laughs> we, you know, we make things faster. We spend faster. And here's the thing. We expect God to keep pace with us, especially when it comes to prayer. As the illustration... <clears throat> uh, you heard about the African cheetah, and it must run down its prey to eat. And so it's suited for the task, and it can run at speeds of up to 70 miles an hour, but for 300 meters. The cheetah has one problem, and that it has a disproportionately small heart, which causes it to tire very quickly. If it doesn't catch its prey quickly, like less than a minute, it has to end the chase. And you know what? Many times we have the, the cheetah approach when it comes to prayer. Come on, somebody. Amen? And it comes to intercession and seeking the Lord. Just lingering and spending time before God. We speed into our prayer time with great energy. We speed through the scriptures to get our quarter of Bible reading for the day. We speed for someone else to pray for us on the phone. Or we message somebody, instant messaging. But what happens? We lack the heart. Watch this now. For sustained effort, and oftentimes we falter before we accomplish what is needed. So what do we do? We hunker down. Next time, we decide to pray harder, faster, louder, when what is needed may not be more explosive power, but more staying power. Let's say that again. Staying power. Come on, can we just say that together? Say staying, staying power. 
power. <clears throat> what is that? Stamina that only comes from a bigger prayer heart. My prayer is, Lord, enlarge our hearts to pray. Let us understand the importance of prayer. You know, there was a true story about uh, an illustration of perseverance. Back in the 80s, there was a pilot <clears throat> that he noticed the warning light blink, and then he went back to check the rear cabin in this private plane, and he was sucked from the he was sucked from the plane's door that wasn't locked properly. So the coal pilot uh, uh, turned the plane back, and then they found out that the pilot was hanging on the rung of the plane's ladder at 4,000 feet at 190 miles an hour for 10 minutes. And so the coal pilot assumed the worst. He landed the plane, and they found the pilot hanging on the ladder. They had pried his fingers from it. Friends, that's perseverance. Okay, so when we're talking about perseverance, that's perseverance. <laughs> and many of the prayer problems in churches in America don't result from a lack of information, right? For the most part, or material strength, but perseverance, staying power, staying consistent, believing and trusting God. And so <clears throat> I think a large part we, we, we lack in our race because of a failure of heart in spirit. Now, like the frog, I have kicked and swam my way to victory through perseverance, and, and I have found that many times tenacious endurance is often the key to victory in prayer. Being tenacious, knowing that God did not say no, he may not have said yes, but he didn't say no. All right? So here's a big thing, the $64,000 question when it comes to prayer. Why should we persist? Why is it required? Why do we need to persist in prayer? I mean, does God have a certain number of prayers required for certain situations? Well, there's an interesting passage in Revelation that talks about the prayer in heaven has like a bowl. And it says, in the prayer of the saints that fill that bowl. And it's very interesting. And, and then as the, the saints, the prayers fill that bowl, it spills out and the answer is brought forth. Yes. Interesting. Find that interesting? So we see a little bit, does that mean there's a substance to prayer? That it's not just, you know? Uh, maybe uh, some people think, well, we just talk him into things. Or God finally decides to kind of do something. Or do we earn answers through hard work or perseverance? Well, we know the question to all that, you know, the answer to all that is no. Now, there are reasons, I would say, that I'm not aware for the need for persistence in prayer. I mean, I'm not saying I have all the prayer answers. For sure, I don't. But I want to submit one explanation before we conclude here, you to consider. And I believe that our prayers do more than simply motivate God the Father into action. Back in 1988, uh, I was a student at Christ for the Nations where I met my wife in Dallas, Texas, and it's the late Gordon Lindsay. He was the founder and apostle of Christ for the Nations. He wrote over 400 books, uh, amazing uh, Bible school. But he spoke in one of his books about, he talked a lot on prayer, but he talked about the substance of prayer. And so I'm going to show a quote by him, Gordon Lindsay. And if you're able to see that, yes. He says this, he said, the con I want you to really get this. He said, the concept is that our prayers do more than just motivate the Father into action. Now watch this. They, your prayers, watch this, release. Somebody shall release. Interesting. The power of the Holy Spirit from us to accomplish things. 
Certain types of prayer would, of course, do more than others. I want you to just absorb that. Now, there are scriptural precedences of situations where power has been released. And there are others where power is actually, uh, there's more than one, one level of power, if I could say it this way. I mean, if I came up here with a pen flashlight and we had the lights off, you would see that little light. But then if I came with a regular mag flashlight, you would see that. But how many have ever seen those two million candle flashlights? Some of you have them like, click, your whole yard lights up. You know, so there are different measures of power. And there, are you still with me this morning? There are measures of the power of God, if I could say it that way. In that scriptural, I mean, I can remember uh, one was, there's a, script, there's a scripture in Isaiah 66, 8 says, uh, talks about the spiritual picture of the church. He said this, who has heard such a thing? Who has seen such things? Can a land be born in a day? Can a nation be brought forth all at once? As soon as Zion travailed, she brought forth her sons. And so there's a concept and a teaching about prayer travailing. It's foreign to most people. They don't know what I'm talking about. But I mean, have you ever seen a, a, a mom giving birth to a child? There's some travailing and crying going on. And I remember at a time before I went on an outreach, to we were going to downtown Dallas, and we had about 150 students who was leading. And, and before that, as I was just praying, the, the weight of the lost souls was on my spirit, man, and I, I actually began to weep. I was crying on behalf of people that hadn't even come in the kingdom of God. I know it sounds strange. I know it sounds weird. But you know what? Some of the old time folks know what I'm talking about. It's travailing in the spirit. And a lot of the, some of the breakthrough that you need is not going to happen as a drive through prayer. Some of the breakthrough you need for your marriage has got to be a travailing prayer. It has to be a pressing in prayer. It has to be more than just a, mm, I threw up a prayer or two. It's perseverance. And there's a reason why. There's a reason why. Uh, another thing, we don't know for certain what Paul uh, meant, and, but in this verse, Colossians 4, a, another verse here, it talks about Epaphras, who's one of your, of your number, a bond slave of Jesus Christ. He sends you his greetings, and then it says this, always laboring earnestly for you in his prayers. What does that mean? You read that. This guy was praying for the family, the church family, earnestly in prayer for those, earnestly. He was travailing uh, that you may stand perfect. Wow. I thank God for the people that pray for me. I thank God for the people. You should thank the Lord the people that pray for you. Earnestly, earnestly laboring for you in prayers that you may what? Stand perfect, fully assured in the will of God. So there are people that can pray on behalf of you to help you stand firm and understand the will of God. Interesting. For I bear him witness that he has a deep concern for you and for those who are in Laodicea in there. Ephesians 6.17 says that we can speak the word of God as a sword into situations. All right? Not to beat up Christians, but in the spirit realm. I know some of this stuff may seem whoo, over some of your heads, but it's in the Bible. These are spiritual truths. There's the practice of which we do every Sunday, or at least we provide opportunity on laying on of hands. All right, we lay on of hands. Uh, another method of imparting spiritual power. Watch this. That there is literal power 
from the Holy Spirit, which can be released from us, is absolutely true. Stand with me if you would, please. This is a bold statement. Maybe pretty, pretty much everything I said today is a bold statement to some of you. But when we speak the Word of God, the Bible, into a situation under the direction of the Holy Spirit, not just because we want to wield and, you know, we want to know, but under the direction of the Holy Spirit, it's as if God himself spoke that word and releases his life in that situation. I believe even as, as the preaching and the teaching of the word, it releases the power of God. It's releasing the power of God in his situation. How many of you know that it's just not all up there, friends? So what do you mean, Pastor Mike? The Bible says that he has made his throne in our hearts. That means your heart too. He has made his throne in your heart. 1 Peter 3.15. And the Bible says that what? We are the temple, the naos, the holy of holies in our heart. That's what it says. 1 Corinthians 3.16 and 6.19 tells us. When God moves to release power upon the earth, it comes through his people. Watch this. Where his spirit dwells upon the earth. How many know it doesn't have to shoot out of the sky somewhere where someone's like, Shazam! Boom, there it is. No. How is the power of God going to be released? Through you and me. Amen. You are distributors of the power of God. Do you understand that? So, there's an illustration here. When you lay hands and you're praying for someone, keep laying, you're doing a beautiful job. You pray, you are releasing part of the substance of the power of God is being released into that person. That's why it says to lay hands on the sick. That's why it says to speak and declare the word of God. What are you doing? You're not waiting for some lightning bolt to happen. You are a conduit of the spirit. It's not you, your strength, your power. It is his power through you. But he he flows. How many know Jesus doesn't lay hands on the sick? We do. It's in, right? Yes. We know the power comes from him, but he said to go lay hands on the sick. We are to, and those that are, are downtrodden. Jesus doesn't lay hands on a person and ordain them. The Bible talks about that we are to do that under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. We understand God's purpose in that situation. We are to lay hands on him. What does he do? He follows. I can't tell you how many times that throughout uh, my life I've had instances where godly men have, you know, laid hands and I've received an impartation that has altered the direction of my life. God has that for you and I. I said the Lord has that for you and I. I remember a situation back in the 1990s as I conclude here. Um, we were returning from Ukraine and we took many trips to Ukraine had a, a large team it was like either 96 or 97 I can remember but I do remember that once we left and there was a, we had a lot of salvations and there was tremendous uh, a move of the spirit of God uh, people in open fields would come out would have two three hundred people come out just uh, it was amazing outpouring the spirit and I just knew the enemy didn't like that <clears throat> well on our way back, so we had this van. I called it the Veggie Tail Van. It was all three different green type of colors. And we were in this van with a couple of uh, vehicles with us. And 
we had to get a lot hours to get to the airport. And there's three bridges he had to cross. One of the three bridges to get to the airport. There's no other way unless you go across the river. And the first bridge, we pulled up. It was like ants on a pile of sugar, like all backed up. I'm like, guys, we're not going to make it. So we turned around. They said, just two other bridges. And then the second bridge we went to, same thing. Packed cars everywhere. I'm like, he goes, there's one more bridge. And as we got closer, we could see there was nobody on this bridge. It was empty. I went, man, this was a good choice. And we pulled up. There's about 60 people with two what they call stick men. Stick men back then in the 90s were like kind of hired quasi-police officers that have a little flashlight with a stick. And uh, they could just pull you over for any reason. Just pull you over. Check your papers. Pull out your pass. Sometimes we'd be stopped a half a dozen times and we have to go in one direction. All control. That's what communism is. It's all control. They don't want you to have freedom. No, it's bondage. Just thought I'd throw it out there. And they, they you know, they were everywhere. They were everywhere. Well, there's two stick men on this little ramp that goes off to the bridge. And nobody's on the bridge. And I look up there. There's a couple guys trying to fill some potholes. And so we get out, and, and I, I, I like, what, what's going on? And there's two 18-year-old kids. You know, the shirts are kind of tucked in their uniform. And you, can, you know, they were just conscripted probably that morning. You know what I mean? And they're standing there, and there's truckers screaming mad. They wouldn't let them on the bridge. This bridge is under repair. I'm like, you got two other bridges that, that's, why are you repairing it now? You know? And it was just, it was mayhem. And in my mind, we're not getting back. We are, this, and, and what happened, they only had maybe a flight or two a week that you had to catch. So we were at a time where you're not going to, we're going to stay there for another week at least. And so I'm, I'm in this van and there was a, a gal, sweet gal, she's behind me. She saw what was going on. I went, oh man. I said, this looks impossible. So she starts howling. <laughs> she's crying I'm like I gotta watch what I say <laughs> we're not getting home well we had an interpreter he kept going and talking to these two guys some of you have already heard this story but and I just remember just going out there looking and it was another guy that came on the trip and he kept saying he only knew one word in, in Russian it was Pajausta please he was holding his ticket crying Pajausta these guys were not listening they just stood there these kids they were not letting anybody on that bridge and finally I got back and I just said God we need to get back there's no unless there's some mysterious thing that you want to teach us or keep us here for or minister fine and if there's some danger in the plane well no problem we'll be fine with that but if not we just I just took authority over the enemy I just started declaring the word of God come on somebody and finally the missionary kids that runs in and said go 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 so they opened up there was 60 vehicles backed up on this off-ramp and the two vehicles that went through was ours they just let us through and I'm looking like I'm thinking am I dreaming what's going on why are we able to go and they closed it back up and they started screaming again well I found out in that moment the missionary kid God bless him actually it was Yuri Yuri spoke here Yuri and Tanya uh Yuri Binder and he said if you don't let these people through, this is going to be on Oprah Winfrey. It's going to be an international scandal, and you child are going to prison. <laughs> they let us through. Hey, listen, God will use whatever he can use to get his people through. I drove away. Woo! 
We flew in 20 minutes. Would have taken at least an hour and a half. We made it on the plane. Every head bowed, please, this morning. Jesus inside us releases a river to flow into that person or situation. Jesus doesn't preach the gospel of salvation to the lost. He speaks through us and we go, you go in his stead. This morning, I just want to challenge those of you who may be here, those of you who listen online. You don't know the Lord. You're not right with God. You can make a, ch- a decision, a choice right now to serve the Lord. The Bible says you must be born again. You need God in your life. I don't know everybody in here. I know most of you, but perhaps there may be a someone that doesn't know Jesus. This is the most important segment of this sermon. With every head bowed, you say, Pastor, that's me. I need God in my life. I want the Lord. Would you pray with me? As we pray together to receive Christ in your life. Say this to me. Say, Jesus, I believe you died on that cross for my sin. Jesus, come into my life. Save me. Forgive me. Cleanse me. I make a decision today. I will serve you all the days of my life. Take my life in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Friends, if you meant that prayer, we are here to help you on your journey, help you grow in your faith, and be strong in the Lord.